We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome, welcome to the Heapy Podcast. I'm your host, Carlo Navas. And with me today is not our producer and co-founder, Brian Goins. I can't locate Brian. Brian sometimes disappears for me. Uh, I don't know where my producer and co-founder goes. Sometimes he's just off with the wind doing his own thing, and I'll find out later. But he will edit. He will He will do the production work at the end. However, in his stead, to my left here on Twitch.tv slash MIHeapy, the home of all things Miami Heapy stream, including our Pre and post game show Hangover Time hosted by Alphonse Sydney. We have our 2K coach, Frankie. Edris Better. <laughs> Idris. His name is Idris, not Edris. Whatever. Damn uh, better. On the bottom of the screen, Twitter friend, long time wanted him on the show, Duncan Smith from Hoops Habit. Duncan, welcome to the program, man. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, happy to do it. Um, very, uh, very pleased to be on with you guys today. I'm sure Brian's probably uh, incommunicado because he doesn't want to talk to me or something. Brian's probably in witness protection at this point. Brian has a lot going on in his life right now. That I'm, I'm yeah. Pe- he's, he's, yeah, he's on the run. Some, some, some that, stuff's happening in his life. Yeah, that's, that's deep by me. He beat Laura. Well, we love you, Brian. Well, you know, you'll get this audio eventually if you're out in the chat. You know, we love you. Uh, by the way, shout out to the Twitch chat. You guys have been great, and I, I'm hammering this home a lot. I mean, you guys are making everything we do possible. We're streaming every single day. We're giving you pods, pre and post game shows. We're giving you additional content, and that's just going to increase. Uh, we're going to kind of unveil our little Patreon plan. So if you want a little bit more of us, we have ways that you can get that. So make sure to be on the lookout for that. Probably late this week or early next week. I just I want to make sure everything is right. We got the emotes coming for y'all in the Twitch chat, and if you all you in the podcast feed, I thank you for the eight years of support. It has meant the world to us. So 
With that said, we got to get into that little mini series between the Heat and the Pistons, Duncan. And so the Heat have this embarrassing, I, I call it one of their most embarrassing losses in the last five years. Because, uh, you know, the Pistons aren't exactly, you know, a juggernaut. And I think Miami kind of getting their cavalry back. I know Jimmy Butler and, and um, Avery Bradley weren't there, but you got to figure that at the very least, they put up a fight and they get blown out at home. And I, you know, at home in quotation marks uh, to, you know, Jeremy Grant's fantastic and everything. But, you know, it, it was not pretty. And I, I kind of like getting outside perspectives on like what's going on with Heat because they've been a little bit hard to nail. So like through through those first two games, like what to you has stood out the most? Um, well, you know, it's funny. The the win was the game that I didn't end up watching. Um, <laughs> I, had, I, I forget what I had some other things going on. It was like I can like really kind of inconvenience myself and watch this Pistons game, which is probably going to end one way. And um, so I, I ended up like not watching that one. I, I watched last night's game. Um, so, you know, a, a lot of what I know about that game now comes to me, uh, from, uh, from hearsay and, uh, others observations and, and things like that. But, I, you know, the Pistons aren't a good team, but they're not like a, a typical bad team either. You know, they've got, uh, Jeremy Grant, who could be a all-star candidate, I think on a better team, he would be an all-star uh, pretty, pretty easily. You know, I don't exactly know how the 12 players would break down and like where he would slot in necessarily. So, I, I'm not that detailed into it at this point, but, you know, I, I think like the caliber of play that he's had um, is, is all-star quality. So you've got an all-star, we'll, we'll just call him an all-star flat. You've got a team full of players that play really hard from start to finish. So, you know, it, the, the Pistons are a team that should lose plenty of games, but anytime a better team, uh, you know, doesn't give them, you know, the, the respect that you should give another NBA team, they will probably at least make your life miserable. You know, um, the the Suns got up on them 23 points and then kind of shut her down, and the Pistons came back and won that game. Uh, I know the Heat are not exactly, like, at full strength and everything like that. So, um, you know, especially as long as the Pistons are able to, like, stay healthy and keep guys out of COVID and things like that, there may be situations where they aren't even the worst team on paper. You know, like, it, if, if they come up against a team that's, been really just decimated um you know they you know there's going to be times where they have the best player on the floor in jeremy graham and uh, i think that coming into the season that's not really something we expected from them um so you know they're going to lose plenty of games but they're also going to be a tough out most of the time i mean the the grant stuff has been fascinating to watch because like he was a guy that i looked at for the heat and i was like you know what i you know going into the offseason if you know thinking in Miami's perspective I'm like well the thing they need most is going to be kind of a wing 3 and D score. I think that their upside is something better than Jay Crowder at that four spot, right? Like we saw what they kind of topped out at but the best version of themselves they can get a guy like that that can play up a position on defense, can shoot the ball reasonably well and can kind of attack a closeout, get you, you know, 12 to 15 points from that wing spot because they have, you know, their fair share of guards and 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 bigs and Grant was the guy I wanted the most, but I was like, there's just no way. I, I thought like it was a shoe in. Frankie, we talked about this a lot. Like there was just yeah. no way he was going to leave. You know, D- Denver, I think you can equate them as, you know, just as good a team as Miami. You know, they just happen to fall in the West and the Heat and them both lost to the same team and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and the money would have been, the Heat wouldn't be able to offer that money. But he, he's been, I mean, on defense, he's been a terror and everything. Um, I thought it was curious how he kept hunting the BAM switch at the end of the game. Duncan, like what what's going on there? Because like, I get it, like, you know, if it kind of just happens, but he, he it was like almost like he wanted that matchup. Like, 
Bam is a very willing switcher. And it's not like they were kind of going around the switch. Okay, we have a mismatch somewhere else. Jeremy's like, nah, I'm, I'm doing this off the dribble. Well, I think that Jeremy is very well aware of like what this season is for him. You know, um, this is this is his season to figure some things out about like what he is capable of um, and like the kind of player he is. Um, yeah, I think that that was a big reason that he he left Denver. You know, like he knew that playing with Jamal Murray and, and Nikola Jokic, he was going to be the third guy um, probably at best, no matter how good he got. You know, like that that pecking order is set like in stone. Um, so, you know, he, he took equal money to go to a team that's going to probably lose the most games in the NBA or close to it. Uh, but in doing so, you know, he can be part of like a rebuild and, and maybe be the guy for that rebuild. And one of the ways you can be the guy is to figure out like just where his capacity is, like where his capabilities lie, like where, um, you know, what his maximum level is kind of. So um, that might be sort of intentional, you know, he might be purposefully going at the best uh, just to just to see if he can do it. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it is necessarily that well-defined if like that's exactly like the goal for him, but it, it seems kind of in line with like everything that we've seen from him this season, you know, just from the, from the starting point of choosing the Pistons for the, the sake of like that expanded role that he wanted. And I think that most of us almost mock right off the bat is like, you know, you are this guy, like you are yeah. in this box, um, this, the Jeremy Grant, in Denver and OKC box. And we don't really see any reason for you to like expand beyond that, you know, go in a championship <laughs> with Denver, but it, it seems as though he's got, he's got really uh, to an interesting degree, like different plans and different goals. And I think that maybe, you know, trying to pick on Bam while it, it sounds ludicrous and it, it is ludicrous. <laughs> like if you're, if you're trying to see if like, maybe you can be, you know, like a top 10 player in the NBA, like what better sense. way than to see if, if you can like go get the best. It's like a litmus test, and and like, yeah. I you know he's awesome. I I love watching him play. It's it's been really cool. Um, and the you know kind of kind of focusing on that game. You know he went down really early. They looked bad. The defense was. I mean, I tweeted out. I was like, this is a shameful perimeter defense. It's not even like Frankie. You know, we know that they've had issues at the point of attack, and like that's fine. Like we know that that Goran and Kendrick can't stay in front of anybody. We know that Gabe is like this is not like new to us. Like, this is, we're not discovering something. Uh, through this little series that we did not know. Um, but when these guys are getting caught behind these screens and Mason Plumley is just tearing you to shreds on his little slips, his little rolls, little elbow stuff. And, you know, they just had no bite on defense until they dusted off the corpse of Mo Harkless. Who, Duncan, by the way, do you know what Mo Harkless was shooting from the field before yesterday? Oh, I don't know offhand. Um, I'm guessing not great though from uh, from the lead up here. Sixteen percent. Oh, he uh, he was in like significant minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Like he had made a two point field goal like the whole season. Oh, so he's putting up a Sadiq Bay is what he was doing. Oh, oh yeah, it was bad, and his net rating was I think minus thirty four point nine, uh, which is just oof. so. Not I mean, the both from. Uh... <laughs> Let me tell you something. It was rough. I like I declared the more heartless experience done. Right. And uh, I was like, well, they got to they got to pivot to KZ, which Frankie, they did. We we got well, KZ got pulled. Uh, but kind of going back to their defense, like they they had no bite. They kind of put Mo in at the three, which I think is like the important part here, because Mo mm-hmm. Harkless via cleaning the glass before this had played 93 percent of his possessions at power forward, which is just 
30% above his career mark any other time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's not a big guy. He is getting pushed off his spots. He has a really small back line in terms of these guard help defenders. I've made the joke a million times. Giannis turns the corner on the pick and roll and he sees, you know, Mo Harkless and Tyler Hero and he just starts laughing because, <laughs> you know, what, what are you going to do about it? And they played him in position. They were very committed to playing KO plus Bam plus or KO plus Precious and then Andre kind of filled those spot four minutes. And Frankie, that worked. They got a little bit of bite. They got a little bit of switchability and they looked like a competent defense for the first time dare I say, since Pelicans game. He looked comfortable, most of all, um, more so than you've ever seen him in a heat jersey. He, uh, not having to drop, getting to harass uh, ball handlers, getting to to uh, press up on on DHOs, and he had a, he led the team in deflections of, of eight, I believe it was. And, uh, he just looked like he was able to play his game more, and that's something moving forward that he'd have to keep continue to look into. Um, Definitely, as as they get healthier, we'll see how they sort out their uh, four lineups because they really don't have a small ball four. Um, they, you know, outside of the KO, BAM, KO, Precious, I don't know who their best option is right now because uh, even Jimmy. when Jimmy gets back, you would think it's Jimmy, but, you know, how, how much do you want to play Jimmy at the four um, going forward? But We'll we'll see how it goes. I, I really like their tenacity in the second half. Uh, Goran made a made a statement that he uh, that when he had went to the hu- to the huddle in the first quarter, I believe it was, that they just were listless. They were were unaggressive. They were playing soft, and they didn't look like they wanted it. And it's true. It's it looked like they were just going through the motions on both ends, uh, and that's something that uh, it's it's good that Goran called them out on. Uh, we need Bam to be able to call them out on and, and lead by example as well. <laughs> We're going to get into that a little later. So I, I like to monitor this stuff because I think that this is an important trend in terms of their kind of on-court identity, what the bam Olenek pairing is on court. So as of now, they're at 150 minutes and they're a plus almost five net rating and their offense is at 113, which I think is important because their offense has been totally stinky despite them getting the shots that they want. Uh, that is one wonderful cat, Duncan. What's cat's yes. name? Yes, that's Coco. That's Coco. Excellent yeah. cat name. That's that's just yep. for stream. Yeah, stream. Yeah, he that's has Coco. found. Yeah, he's found a way to get on just about every live stream I have ever done. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a remarkable uh, streak of efficiency. He just never misses. <laughs> Listen, not unlike Bam at the rim. We're gonna get into yeah. those numbers later because they're pretty <laughs> impressive. But yeah. Uh, Frankie, like th- that lineup has been good. That lineup, despite all the the bad losses and the weird stuff, that lineup has maintained above water, which is essentially kind of tied to their starting lineup too. That so, I think they found something to at least survive in the regular season to the final solution. A uh, Bam without Olenek, by the way, is minus almost ten per hundred possessions in almost one hundred and seventy minutes, which is surprising. And Olenek has about the same with Bam without Bam, but I mean that's, a lot of that's uh playing against Joel Embiid minutes without Jimmy and Bam. So I don't know. And yeah, that yeah. Milwaukee loss. But that's surprising. I mean, obviously, you kind of hope that that Bam kind of floats above water there. You know what I mean? Like, and, and essentially, any lineup where Bam is not with the Linux is Bam at the five because Bam and Precious have not played a minute together. So when mm-hmm. Bam is the only center on the floor, they're getting boat race, which is just completely the opposite of last season where they were dominating teams. I think that's, that's also a big... Uh, big point of, of the of the personnel though because all those non-kelly uh at the forum 
uh, lineups, it's it's Moer, it's Iguodala, that they're not respecting that they're shooting and they're not a hindrance on the on defense to for the for the other team that they're not doing anything enough uh, uh, pressuring. They're not uh, deterring them from the rim. If they get a shot at the rim when it's not Bam, and like you said before, Bam is a very willing switcher. Uh, they're getting offensive rebounds. They're getting second chance looks. They're getting points in the paint because it's you're going against Mo Harkless and or Andre Iguodala, and Andre Iguodala can only strip so many uh, ball handlers <laughs> going to the rim. So you know it's 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 a big difference of uh, from Jay last year because you know Jay's not a huge guy, but at least he's he's stocky and. He'll put a body on him and he'll contest and and battle in there for inside for boards. And then you're also missing Jimmy and and Tyler, who are good rebounders uh, for their positions as well. Nikias made the point on uh, on the Dunker Spot podcast. Which check that out, our homie Nikias Duncan and check Steve Jones <laughs> Dunker Spot podcast, raising rising in the ranks of sports podcast, leaving us in the dust. <laughs> Nikias forgetting where he came from, completely obliterating us in the competition, and we could not be happier. Check that out. Rate, review, give him all the praise in the world. Best damn guy I know. Uh, he mentioned on the pod with, with Steve, kind of talking about the rebounding, uh, Frankie, where, you know, Bam is such a willing switcher, especially onto point guards, where sometimes he doesn't even need to. And by proxy, he's not helping on the rebound because when he's doing that switch, now Goron, Tyler, Duncan, Nunn, someone's on a big and they shouldn't be, and they're just getting pounded on the glass. Now, their defensive rebound rate is middle of the pack. Their offensive rebound rate is at the bottom, which, you know, they're, they're, they're defensive rebounding fine, but they're also not offensive rebounding either. So, like, their rebounding issues are a little weird. I think they've been slightly overstated. Um, I think you want to get a little more offensive rebounds. You kind of want to give your offense a little help, especially when you're turning the ball over, like you're the damn backup point guard on, on a bad team or whatever. Like, it's been really bad for 100 mm-hmm. possessions of the worst turnover team in the league. So, that's kind of weird. Uh, Duncan, I kind of want your thoughts on Heat's zone defense yesterday because they haven't really done that a lot this year. And last year, they like to play with the bigs up at the top of the zone and the guards at the bottom of the, the back of the zone. They kind of flipped that. They kind of had the guards up yesterday and kind of this season, which I thought was interesting because the kind of the, the, the stress that the long arms kind of puts on, on the passes of, that really was effective. They were killed and dropped Derek Rose and, and just everybody on the Pistons was destroying them. And I, I, the zone worked Duncan, but I wasn't like, I wasn't a fan of it. I didn't think it was, I kind of thought they got a little lucky with the shots they gave up. Yeah. I, I think, you know, with how prevalent the zone is becoming, it, it seems like something that is, it worked really well kind of across the league, but it would get thrown out because, you know, nobody was accustomed to it. So it, it seems as though like as, as, it becomes more of a frequently used defense. Offenses are just going to become more accustomed to it, and they're, they're going to adjust. And um, the Pistons, in particular, I remember a couple seasons ago, the the Heat threw a zone at them, and the, the Pistons practically like put the ball down in center court and just like walked off the court. Like they quit the <laughs> moment that zone that zone was shown. They're like, all right, can we swear on this podcast? <laughs> Screw yeah, this. We're no, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> all right. No, we, we they're are, like, we are Chris Bentley. Yeah, the the Pistons are like fuck this. We're not we're not playing against the zone. We're going home. <laughs> and so the they um they have a poor track record historically speaking against the Heat zone in particular. Uh, but I mean, like that's also a couple years ago when um you know nobody was really rolling that out there. Uh, 
uh, for more than a couple possessions of every other game, maybe, or something like that. And so, yeah, I, I did notice actually like the, the zone configuration was not exactly, you know, what, what you would call a standard zone. Um, and I wondered if that might, uh, might throw them off. I haven't looked at like their, their versus zone numbers, the Pistons lately, but um, they definitely don't uh, shrivel up and die when they see it like they once did not that long ago. <laughs> um, but, you know, know, at the same time, that... like, go ahead. No, no, you go, you go. I, I was just going to say, like, at the same time, like, I, I do really enjoy these sort of, like, niche things that you see in the NBA, like, spread the wildfire, rather. Um, so, you know, um, I'll hail the return of the zone, and I hope that uh, <laughs> more bizarre configurations and, and ways of implementing it uh, become more prevalent rather than, like, it, it going to the wayside. Um you know, I, I just think that like when coaches are so willing to exhaust the playbooks that like they go back to like middle school stuff. To me, that is just like it's maybe it seems simplistic, but it's so cool that coaches are just like willing to try anything to slow down opponents. So um from from like a sophisticated X's and O's point of view, I, I you know, I can't throw a whole lot of uh, insight into like what I what I see from the heat in their zone because I haven't gotten to watch a whole lot of them. But at the same time, like I, I just really love like the fact that sharp coaches like uh, like Stevens and Spolstra and guys like that, um, and Nick Nurse, um, you know, famously will will just yep. throw the kitchen sink, including playground defense. You know, like, to me, that's just so wild. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually like really glad you brought that up because we haven't talked a lot about like Spolstra like as a figure on the show in a while. But like, kind of the the funky stuff of using your guard screening and horns is like really popular now. Like now the Warriors were running that and like a lot of teams do that. I, I really think that teams are kind of catching on on the Miami handoff stuff, especially when you don't have like a lot of, you know, north, south, ball handling, pick and roll talent. You know, I, I really like what Miami's done with, with kind of the handoff stuff, which I, I think is a little, it's a little Spursian, but kind of to the nth degree. And I kind of like how I'm noticing, I know that San Antonio is like really big on that. And Atlanta has recently started to up their, their handoff offense which I, I don't know i think it's fun like and kind of your point rick carlisle doing the funky zone with the mavs of 2011 and it's we're we're here yeah, so the handoff awesome. is another thing oh sorry go ahead yeah um, no, no. um the, yeah the the handoff thing especially thinking back a couple of years ago when uh when reggie jackson was um you know had had basically one bad leg that he was working on um one of the things that uh stan van gundy at the time was relying on instead of like you know using the your typical pick and roll was um handoffs with uh under drummond you know on the elbow and um using him as a playmaker and basically from like the season before that i think it was uh 16 17 or 15 16 going into 16 17 um you know drummond didn't really have a whole lot of experience so you got to see you know the the um the glory and the failures and Boy, oh boy, does Andre Drummond have a lot of both of those, <laughs> uh, especially with the ball in his hands. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, I think that especially when you don't have sort of like that classical um, pick and roll attack, um, those dribble handoffs really kind of like open a whole new world for, for better or worse. But like if you've got good, uh, good playmaking bigs, like, you know, they, they can be a real weapon. So like I know Pistons with Plumlee, that's that's really good, and Bam and Olenek are good at that. I mean, like, and remember, Eric Spolstra went from Dwayne Wade, who is arguably a top five pick and roll player of all time. I mean, Dwayne, even at his advanced age, 
And I, I was thinking about this today because I remember all the Donovan Mitchell comps to, to Dwayne. And I know Donovan's kind of struggled, uh, you know, to start the season. But, like, Donovan moves a bit like Twilight Years Dwayne. Like, Dwayne, when he turns the corner on a, on a pick and roll, like, he got a plan, right? It's kind of a slithering, I'm going to get to, I'm gonna get to, to, to my, the side that I like. I'm going to get to that little jumper on the left side. Like, I, I'm going to get to where I want, and I'm kind of, like, preempting this. Before, Dwayne was fast. I mean, he was flash, right? He kind of split the pick and roll kind of go north south and before you know it you know omeka okafor is getting dunked on right the helps too late <laughs> and, and and dwayne's yamming on you right and it's like eric went from that and, and lebron and all that stuff to kind of this Dion waiter centric offense where it's like well you know hassan's a bad pick and roll player he's a bad screener he's just not connecting he's just not there and they kind of pivoted like okay let's let's you know once they got olenic in there and bam they're like let's start running some handoffs let's get Wayne Ellington off, you know, we'll, we'll we'll set pistol screens and we'll kind of, you know, initiate like that and we'll kind of flip the handoff doing that. And and they've gotten so much mileage out of that with really in, in reality, like not a lot of like high end talent. And it's been crazy to watch them kind of put together patchwork offenses, sometimes in the middle of the season when they pivot to this stuff. It's amazing. Um, I don't know. I love Spo. I'll always talk <laughs> about Dark Lord Spo and all his like weird things. Um I'll, I'll, Duncan, are you familiar with my with my Andre Drummond take? I don't know if I am. I'd love to hear it. So, so I don't like him as a player. I think he's like not a good. I don't think he's like that good a basketball player. Like, obviously, he's a good basketball player, but like, I don't. I think kind of what people think of Andre Drummond and what I think of Andre Drummond is pretty substantially different. And there was a point, and Frankie, we were out. I don't know if I've told the story in the podcast recently. Yeah, Frankie, you, you, you were in town. Uh, we were out with Nikias, myself, you, Alf, Christian, all these EPP people. Pre-pandemic. We watch- Pre-pandemic. This is a while ago. <laughs> we were watching a Celtics-Sixers game, I think. And I I came up with the take at the bar. that I And I mean this, Duncan. I was like, Hassan Whiteside? Better than Andre Drummond. Oh, I think I heard this. I don't, I, I, you know, I understand people not being high on Drummond. I can't criticize it. But I think that's a, like a link too far. <laughs> Hey, listen, the, I yeah. got Marcus. You know, you know the Marcus Camby trains. The the all the Marcus Camby oh, yeah. replies. I, the well longest familiar. one ever. I think I got over five hundred, Frankie. It was something like that, right? He tweeted oh, this out. I think that was my fault. I think I did that to you. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I believe I did that to you. Yeah. Well, because that brings me to my next point. You're a professional shitster on Twitter. The other day, yes. what did you tweet? We got we got to get Jokic some help. <laughs> What was the tweet? You tweeted that we got to get Jokic out of here. We need to get Jokic some help. Yeah, we got to get Jokic out of Denver. (laughs) Lottery bound Denver Nuggets. I mean, yeah, yeah, they had they had lost like uh, you put up like a 40 point triple double or something and they lost in overtime and nobody else did shit all game long for him. And I just, you know, as as the greatest thoughts usually are, I just like off off the cuff, I tweeted it out and then put the old lap down and then came back a few minutes later and saw that uh, Matt Moore had retweeted it. And that was that. <laughs> <laughs> Your mentions were on fire. I was it was like, oh, God. so funny. It, the the best though, were like the really, truly genuinely like hurt and upset, like nuggets fans who were like, what did All we ever do to you? Like why? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, there's more. <laughs> it's like, why are you being so mean? And I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to like hurt you at two in the morning. Like, <laughs> This wasn't I've, some I've, sort of like well thought out troll plan. Like I tweeted it and Matt Moore was like, yeah, I'm pissed at these guys too. And that was basically <laughs> what that came to. He's like, to. I agree. Get yeah. Joker, get Joker, save Joker, hashtag free Joker. 
<laughs> Gary Harris oh, will God. do that to you. Watching yeah, him, watching him play over this last year has done that for me. I'm like, God yeah, damn, man. <laughs> I've heard so like I think Gary is like the guy over there that everyone just kind of hopes will turn a corner, which will change their like change their total trajectory. I don't know how many national podcasts I've heard of. Oh, if they could get something out of Gary Harris, I've heard that name way too much. Yeah, I feel like everybody is kind of like even off that boat by now. It's just like, you know, whatever he can provide, great. You're kind of stuck with him for now. Chat's asking what a Bam and Jokic front court would look like. I don't want that. People, Duncan, he Twitter is like obsessed with pairing Bam with another center. Why would you why why would you not want to optimize and go with a wing instead of a center? Yeah, obviously they'd be good, but that'd be weird. Seems like overkill. It does. Like, what he do you Twitter, need that for? He Twitter is just obsessed with transactions. Period. Like, no, literally, we started this. Really. <laughs> like, we started this show, and and uh, somebody in chat is like, "Is there a chance that we make a trade for Depot or Slack Levine or Larry Market?" And I was like, "Chill. They just won a game. <laughs> it's twelve games into the season." Like, <laughs> it was against the Pistons, though. Does that count? It was. Listen. Like they Asterisk. beat the Wizards, Duncan, yeah. and it was so uninspired. It was like it, it felt like a loss. It felt like a loss. They beat the piss. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. They beat the Wizards and it's like, man, does that even count? Because that was a closer game than it should have been. Beal and Westbrook didn't play. It was just the, the Wizards were leading by double digits at some point. It was like, oh, man. Garrison was- Matthews, uh, something somebody called Garrison Matthews dropped like 20, like 20 points or 16 <laughs> points, something like that. Whoever that is. He, he can shoot miss. a little bit. I don't think he can do anything else, but he can shoot a little bit. Oh, he, he scored like eight <laughs> points in like three minutes. <laughs> yeah. It was Reggie. It was and like was Reggie ass. It, yeah. it was like T Mac. Bad. <laughs> Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball player strikes out when the bases are loaded. The best golfer sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go get to roman.com slash heatbeat21 now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping. And the whole process is discreet and straightforward. Get Getting started is simple. 
go get to roman.com slash heatbeat21 and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete the online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go get to roman.com slash heatbeat21 to get $15 off your first month. Look, that's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Get to roman.com slash heatbeat21. Go get started to save $15 on your first month of treatment. Um, I want, okay, so I, I don't want to go too late tonight, but I do want to get into some BAM stuff because I was kind of doing some digging. Because listen, I think that their ceiling, whatever improvement that they're not going to have the roster that they're going to have last year. The, the Last year's roster just made a lot of sense. I don't know if they're going to have the trade juice to make something significant. You know Riley's going to try on this. He's going to be on the phone. Probably now. Who knows? But I, they're going to try something. But as presently constituted, if they're going to improve, that needs to come internally. And Duncan appears to be on pace to do what he did last season. And it's unreasonable to ask maybe the best shooter in the league to be better. Like he's outstanding. I mean, like the dude is just amazing. And he's up to scoring. So, like, I don't know what more you can ask of Duncan. You look at Bam and Tyler, and we've talked a lot about Tyler, the pick and roll ball handler, has much improved, 95th percentile, blah, 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 blah. The Bam stuff, I think yesterday took a turn in a way that it felt a little more real than, oh, he's hit a couple jumpers. Like, I was looking into the, I was looking into, he's shooting like 56% on that, on that pull-up jumper, which is huge because when teams, when they run their little handoff sets, and Duncan's coming off that handoff. And if that is not available to them, whether it's Wes Matthews playing really well or Chris Middleton whoever, or, Jay, or Marcus Smart, whoever the hell is defending that, that are really good screen avoiders and they really take away that handoff as we saw in the playoffs sometimes, Miami needs to pivot into something else. And what oftentimes happened is that that handoff was not there. And then what would happen is they would pivot to another handoff. And they would do, as I've said a lot of times on the show, the revolving door of handoffs, which is just not great offense. What Bam has now added is that when that option's not there, when he can't get that initial trigger, well, now he has that one dribble pull-up because he's a threat to go to the basket. His free throw rate has increased every year. He's shooting like 86% from the line or something, which is a huge improvement over the mid-70s last season. And in the playoffs, he was at around that figure as well. The mid-range jumper's at 56%. That pull-up jumper is at 54%. So he's getting to his spots with one or two dribbles. He's taking that. And that's opening up a, a whole Pandora's box of offense. Now, I know that their offense is ranked like 22nd in the league right now, Duncan. But like you saw it, the array of jumpers, the fadeaways, the catch and shoots, like he was in his bag. And that wasn't just a yesterday thing. That's been a thing that's happened a lot this season. But yesterday it felt, oh, we're winning a game because of this. Yeah, it, it's funny. It's it's good, actually, that um, you know we're talking about this right now um, at Oops Habit. Uh, our Simon Smith wrote about uh, wrote about Bam this morning, and um, yeah, kind of highlighted some of some of what I hadn't even realized. Like I've been high on Bam for you know as long, if not longer, than than many. Um, like when I was running the the fan site at Heat site, all you can heat. Um, I was convinced that bam was going to be like you know if not a superstar like high level star fringe superstar kind of thing and he's already putting together this offensive um this offensive package if you will that like i certainly didn't see especially this 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 early in his career um 
forget who tweeted this out. It might have been Nikias. Um, I think it's something like he's he's the only player with uh, a usage over like twenty four percent that has a true shooting percentage of, of seventy. I believe Coop, these, these was it. That's right. It was Cooper. Yeah. Um, like I knew that he was putting up like really strong offensive numbers, but I didn't realize that he was putting up like league leading true shooting numbers on like, like that's insane. Yeah, like like top two or top three starter uh, usage. You know, like that is unbelievable. It's so efficient. You know, and, and that's partly because Jimmy's been out and Tyler. You know, is still young, but I mean, it's still. I, I think that that'll that usage will probably kind of level off when they're healthy. But I mean, it's just. Which is incredible. Right. Yeah. Being able to like ride on his shoulders basically while those guys are out is so huge. You know, like you need a guy who can keep you afloat while you're either struggling or whether you're you're injured or a season like this where you're probably gonna miss games with COVID and things like that. Like being able to have your your best defender also be um such a reliable scoring uh such a, a reliable source of offense uh is just like so huge. You know, like how many teams can really can really say that like that's the case for them, you know. Like there's there's really only a few teams can that can like so reliably count on like their best defender also being their their most productive offensive scorer. And Duncan, like the Heat have two of those guys because Jimmy's the same way, and that's why as bad as they've kind of started and as funky as they've looked, they've had kind of irregularity in health and playing time. I think when it comes down to it. The two, your two best players are elite on both ends of the floor. And that's going to matter a lot, especially in, in this league where you need to switch and both those guys can switch. You need to be able to uh, like abuse mismatches, which both those, I mean, Jimmy is in the playoffs was hunting central. It was great. I, lo- I love Jimmy. <laughs> hunt. And, you know, if Bam starts to realize, oh, God, I'm a I'm a great player. Uh, he needs to do it because I don't know if you noticed, Duncan, and it's been a problem for us, Frankie. I know, I know you're where you're nodding your head, but I was like passing under the rim at a layup. It's the Jimmy Butler syndrome. He's getting under to the rim and he's like passing out of a layup, and it's infuriating. And he's shooting 84 percent within five feet this season. Uh, he's improved every single year. He started at 60 percent, then 68, then 68, and now 84. He's the best pick and roll big in the league. Uh, minimum 20 possessions and he's at 1.78 per per possessions on that action which is like crazy he's he's destroying everybody and he's passing out of layups Duncan could be better could be better (laughs) he could be better he's turning the ball over astronomically and he's like why is he passing out of layups I like we were so frustrated about this like I, I is there how many guys that good are like under the rim and are like nope well, hopefully he knocks that off. You know, let's, let's ratchet up those scoring totals a little bit, and knock down those turnovers and assists, maybe. <laughs> no, and like, one of the biggest jumps he's had is as an isolation scorer. He was not uh, confident at all, not aggressive enough uh, in years past. This year, he's at one point three eight points per possession, the ninety fifth percentile. Like this guy just gets better player? every year. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, I, I didn't even oh, think well. to check the ISO numbers. Yeah, it's courtesy of I could be your hero. He's almost as if Bam's good. It's almost as if he should like do this more. Overall in the half court, he's in the 88th percentile, (laughs) 1.14. That's including everything. And uh, you're you're seeing how deadly he is as a dribble handoff. 
uh, how deadly he is as a playmaker uh, with the DHOs and and uh, in uh, operating outside of, out of the elbow, uh, eighteen feet in. He's a, a dynamic pick and roll player. Uh, just his athleticism, his frame. He's he had a little bit of a struggle catching the ball uh, this season. I don't know what that was about, but he's he's usually very reliable there, and he he's just you know the ideal modern big man. Yeah, he really is. He checks all the boxes. Like they and I've I've said this a bunch. They're at their best when it's Jimmy Bam and shooters because the versatility that you're at when you can switch one through five and you're pretty comfortable with most people doing it uh, outside of your guard switching out the fives. Like if you have a really flexible switchy lineup and Eric Spolster has been very known to like Nick Nurse, like Brad Stevens, like they're going to try everything. And when you have that kind of flexibility, that kind of floor spacing and those two guys that just get it, it's, it's not crazy to think that they can replicate what they did last season. Now the Nets present a new issue, but like, you know, I know that they wouldn't walk into any season as favorites. And I'm sure that they're going to make a trade to kind of fill their void at, at power forward. But it's like, it's why the start has been so weird because their defense has been largely forcing the shots that you want. Right. I mean, like at least looking at the numbers, the film tells a different story, but their shot profile on defense is what they did last year. They are second in fewest attempts at the rim, which is, on par with last year, they just didn't allow attempts at the rim, and they're helping off corners, and they're allowing those threes, which is what they did. It's what the Bucks do. It's what the Raptors do. It's what teams do now, and the Heat are really good at it, and this season, it's just kind of gone awry for them. I mean, it, it's it's strange. Their defense is feels a little worse, but it, it might just be weird sample, and like Jimmy's not playing, and their offense, they're getting the shots they want. I mean, other than Tyler, their shooters are hitting. Like, Duncan's playing great. Um, Bam's obviously, you know, having a great offensive season. And when Jimmy's outside of a couple of games, I mean, Jimmy's been Jimmy. So like Frankie, they have like these issues, right? It's like, but if you look at kind of the indicators, you would think that they're fine. But like we were, we were treading water yesterday. Yeah, man. I think it also has to do with a lot of the personnel that they're playing with because of COVID and, and injuries, uh, you know, you're missing Jimmy and Avery. They're two, they're two best uh, perimeter guys that can uh, really muck up games. Uh, the turnover issues definitely been a huge issue. One of the worst, uh, I think the worst uh, in allowing uh, in, yeah, in allowing turnovers per game. And that's giving them fast break points. They also don't have really athleticism to make up that difference in, in stopping fast breaks. Or or getting their own fast break. I, I haven't checked the, their offensive fast break, but I'm I'm pretty sure they're one of the worst. Um, well, Goron's good. Everyone else is a suspect. But even Goron's lost a step, and he's like he's not the old Goron was beating guys down the floor himself. Now he's got to wait for a pass or getting caught up, and and he's even missing layups and stuff. You want to see that uh, that picked up? But um, yeah, like defensively, I, I want to see them. Contain the ball a lot more. Bam, uh, in drop has ha, like when he decides he's when he's going to switch, he's got to know it's got to be late shot clock more often than not to, to prevent all these mismatches in the offensive rebounding and the fouls inside the extra points of the paint. He, he can't be switching with 13 on the clock. He's got to be more decisive, more uh, selective there. Um, um I way, Frankie. I, Yep. Goron's in the 92nd percentile in uh, fast break. 
my eye test was not telling me that. <laughs> Killed, dude. I was like, what are you doing? Okay, how many, how many possessions? Uh, he's up there. I mean, he's at 20, two per game. 20. Yeah. 20. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's, he's probably the only one up there with possessions. And, and still, that's not old Goran. And, and when you have 20 possess, that's 20 possessions on the season. And, and he'd get like, like, uh, the fewest amount of shots, uh, out of every team in the league. You know, that makes you can't make up those differences. Part of that's turnovers, part of that's mm-hmm. their pace. And Eric teams have always been slow, even contrary to belief with LeBron teams. So that I'm not worried about. I think people have kind of made too big an issue on that. And I was like, I don't, that doesn't bother me that much. Like, I think their offense is going to eventually be fine where that's just not a thing. And like the turnovers, I think a lot of that's turnover base. I mean, they're, they're like turning the ball over like 19 times for 100 possessions. It's crazy. That's a lot of. Just giving team like a lot the ball a lot. I don't, I'm not that concerned about that. Yeah, they have um that that's part a lot of that is you're asking Gabe Vincent and, and Kendrick Nunn to handle so much because Jimmy isn't here and Tyler's the out. So that, I think a lot of that will be uh fixed as the season goes on. As, as and Bam has had his struggles as well. Um, let's make sure <laughs> we recognize that Bam is is one of the great best bigs in the league right now. You know, everybody, I, I see my, my timeline it goes crazy, man. Bam has to be the best defender. He's got to get all the rebounds. He's got to initiate plays. He's got to score. It's like, guys, man, Bam cannot do all this. Hit. Not, Shaq wasn't doing all that. Not, like, you're not going to get that out of Bam. That's being un- unreasonable. Um, yeah, as long as you, like, I, I definitely think Bam needs to be more aggressive, um, especially, like, there's possessions where, He's got the ball top of the key one-on-one with Mason Plumlee. Mason Plumlee's dropping and there's nine seconds on the clock and he's dribbling back out looking for a DHO. Like, go, go take that jumper, attack the basket, make a play. Those are the type of plays that frustrate me. But um, as, as far as the whole team, like I, I you know, I, I take everything as it with a grain of salt until they're healthy. Okay. So last couple things before we get out of here, because uh, we're running on time. Uh, and at the end of the show, we're going to tickle your fancy for trades, Chad. I know you keep asking. Uh, Duncan, I guess you, you watch the Pistons broadcast, correct? Um, it depends right now. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm on, I mean uh, last night. Last night specifically. Yeah, last night I, I was on the Pistons broadcast. You see, uh, as a Fox Sports um, guy and a Hulu subscriber, um, currently I, I have to rely... Yeah, well, uh, allegedly, um, unless it's a Fox Sports uh, <laughs> network station. Um, so, yeah, I, I usually I, I try to watch the Detroit when possible. <laughs> the reason I'm asking is because Eric Reed, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Heat, beloved figure in South Florida, one of the, by all accounts, one of the nicest men I've ever met in my life. I mean, the guy went on my college when I was at, when I was at FIU, came on as a guest when I'm pretty sure he wasn't allowed to because he has to ask permission for the Heat. But he came on as a very nice man when I was a, when I was very young and scared. And he's just a great guy, just a tremendous person. And, and just every time I spoke to him, he's just great. And for some reason, last night, he was picking on Blake Griffin. Now, I'm going to play a clip. So somebody, uh, so uh, GIF D Sports, uh, Heat Twitter oh, legend. Two-minute master cut. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to play a little bit of the two-minute master cut for you guys. Because, uh, like, I want to know what happened here. Blake Griffin, the 11 year veteran out of Oklahoma, averaging a career low just under 14 points a game. Even though 
Blake Griffin scored only three points and took just two shots in the first half. Not necessary. Blake Griffin these days. Well, another strand. And Wayne Ellington each have 15 for the Pistons. Is Blake Griffin almost an afterthought right now? He's one of three, all from three, just three points in his 21 minutes. Griffin guarded by Duncan Robinson. This one, this is my favorite. <laughs> Johnny, in the old days, he would look to take a player like Robinson into the paint. He, he's just camped out on that three-point line. Very pedestrian. Doesn't want to be the threat, Jeremy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> savage. <laughs> what? What? Was, and there's like two minutes of that, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Poor Blake. Like Blake's out here minding his business. Like, did you see that Steph Curry quote today, uh, Duncan? Of uh, the one where AC Law caught a stray. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. AC Law, uh, he's smart, just cut blast across the bow. <laughs> oh, uh, if you have Marcus Thompson, Steph talking about Wiseman's struggles and said, the youngster will be fine. I used to get bent for Ice Law. Like, come on. Like, why? <laughs> what, what did my man do? Like, well, he's minding his own business today and he's catching a damn stray by Steph. And I think um, he was trending for a while last night. Somebody was like, uh, poor AC Law was just trying to eat some lasagna. And he, he saw his name on Twitter. Dude, could you imagine? He's, he's like, putting his Damn. kids to bed and he saw his name on Twitter. He's putting AC Law the fifth to bed. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's like, I was like, wow. Like, poor, poor Blake Griffin, poor AC Law. Um, yeah, I mean, he, Duncan, he Twitter had a field day with that. I mean, as this happened, so I'm watching the game with my mother. Who, by the way, is an Eric Reed stan, Eric Reed apologist, loves Eric to death. She loves Eric more than she loves me. And she could probably win like, a race with Blake, too. <laughs> <laughs> she turns to me and she's like, what did Blake do to Eric? Mom, I don't know. Like Twitter's just Twitter thinks this is funny. So we're just we're watching every and like at the very end, he couldn't help himself. He let like one last one rip. I was like, damn. I don't know. It's it's. I love I love little broadcasting moments like that, and everyone's like, "Hmm, that was funny." It was uh, so funny. What's what's actually worse is in the like the pregame um, Pistons Twitter, like the the official Pistons account, uh, like at Detroit Pistons. Uh, they tweeted like the head to head matchup, and yeah. like the two players that they selected with their statistical averages were Bam for the Heat and Blake for the Pistons. And I, as I saw that, and I was like. They really had to match Blake up on the graphic with, with Bam. <laughs> That's not fair. That's the opposite of what the Pacers did with that young, where they put him up with Michael Jordan and Larry. Bird <laughs> yeah, everybody who's averaged like uh, <laughs> seven by two or whatever. <laughs> seven point two assists in thirty point five minutes. Well, let's like honestly, like thank you to whatever graphics person, whatever media person at at. at Fox Sports Indiana did because like we've gotten a lot of mileage off of that. It's incredible. <laughs> Do you know? Did you see the Did you see the story that came out today? Um, Sports Illustrated kind of put out about how the NBA is thinking about kind of there are certain players that are kind of talking about taking the vaccine in public for some like educational and like wellness purposes. Did Did any of you catch that? I saw the headline. I, yeah. I haven't read it yet. Um, think there's some merit to it but at the same time it feels a little disingenuous to hide it behind sort of like the cloak of public awareness you know like just say you're taking it because you only need like what maybe a couple thousand doses to get the whole league covered be like the like the players plus the traveling parties and everything like that a couple thousand doses when you've got like (laughs) hundreds of thousands spoiling in warehouses right now anyway um you are 
essentially like it's going to help prop up a multi-billion dollar industry. You're going to reduce the possibility of like traveling super spreaders um, because like these guys are traveling all over the country all the time. So, I mean, I think it's, it rings a little bit fake to say that like, um, you know, this is a PSA that like the the vaccine is safe, like just, just shoot them up and send them to work. You know, like to me, it, it sounds a little coarse, you know, to, to put it that way, but they're being treated like, um, essentials, like essential workers anyway. Um, they're traveling probably more than anybody on the planet right now. Um, it, it, you know, you got to figure out some way to get your first line, like your first responders, anything like that vaccinated, no later than players, you know, because that sends a pretty bad message, I think. But, um, I, I do think that like having them, further ahead in the line than like very fit young men uh, normally would be. I think it makes a lot of sense just considering the fact that like they are propping up like a multi-billion dollar industry and um, you know, they, it's not as though they, they serve no public good either. I think that like you kind of need to have some entertainment in this day and age right now. I thought the interesting part about the article was how like the league is kind of framing it as, you know, education for, black people in america how black people are just generally distrusting by the by the statistics um of vaccines and i guess it it sat a little wrong with me to like make these players kind of like test subjects you know what i mean that i mean i think the league tried to market it as a certain way like hey look we're doing this public good because you know these people don't believe in vaccines or whatever which is just like it felt really gross to me and like i, I think the i think the nba typically gets this kind of stuff right and it's like, I, I read the article and I was like, what are they doing? Like, who's been advising them? I was like, I know that Kareem got it and did the whole video and everything, but it just, I don't know. It, it felt like they were like, look, we're doing, we're, we're helping black people. And I'm like, that doesn't, that's not how I'm reading this. This doesn't feel this way. And it's kind of what you said about it being disingenuous, but just the entire framing of it made me uncomfortable in a way that I don't know. I, I it didn't sit that well with me. Yeah, like the end goal is to like get the players vaccinated. You know, I think that much is is pretty clear, and I don't think that that's a bad goal either. You know, because like the your choices are get other players vaccinated or continue to have you know three games a night wiped out by COVID and, and be like a national punching bag. You know, yeah. um, because it, it certainly doesn't look good having like the Washington Wizards out for two weeks with COVID, for example. Leaving a um, trail know, of positive good. tests in their wake. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like, so if your alternatives are like continue to just like live under the like the crushing fist of COVID right now or just like get them vaccinated, like grab 2,500 vaccinations and just go do this thing, you know, like that to me, that's kind of where it is. So the great Tiffany Meeks in chat, you can hear her uh, on the Hangover Time post game show here at Miami Heat Beat. She says uh, the average black person won't take a vaccine because a bunch of millionaire athletes take it. This is also a good point. It's just, and yeah. I, I know that Haberstroh said this on um, on House of Strauss recently that he's like, well, a lot of players also don't want to take this. They kind of want to wait and see. They don't want to. They don't want to be the first first on the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're <laughs> you know they have their concerns too, which is you know it's not fair. Uh, Tiffany follows up by saying they need to make the best decisions based on their players. And let the average Americans make their own decisions. I don't. I don't disagree with that. Yep. And I guess the other aspect of it, it's not just players. It's coaches. It's trainers. It's you know these players have ecosystems around them. And we've talked a lot on the show about how the da- the, the fire that the league is playing with COVID this season because you know guys need their training, guys need their massages, guys need their chefs, guys need their workouts, right? So 
you know, Duncan, I don't know if maybe you could shed more light on this, but like, so Bam's in protocol, right? Is he not working out that whole week? I imagine not, right? Like, in fact, you can't, if you're in the COVID protocol, you shouldn't be seeing anybody. So my understanding by common sense is that that whole week, he's not like touching weights or anything. Yeah, I don't know if like, if you just can't work out or if, you know, you're, you're working out at the home gym, maybe, maybe that's more apt. You know, I, I don't think that it's necessarily um, restricting their, their ability to like do physical things. It's, it, you, you just start like working out like at the gym or with your teammates and, and so on and so forth. That that's my understanding at least. Um, but what's a home, be, like a home gym for like, you know, maybe in Detroit, it might be different, but like, I know in Miami, I mean, there's most of these players live in condos, right? They don't live in houses. They live, you know, by in downtown Miami, by the arenas. Like, you know, I think Jimmy might live in Coconut Grove or whatever, you know, has a big house, but I'm, I'm pretty sure most of the players live, you know, near the arena in, you know, a condo. So I don't even know how much of a gym you can have in your house. You know yeah. I mean? it, it, the situation in Detroit has changed since they moved from uh, the palace of Auburn Hills, which was, you know, half an hour outside of the city of Detroit and a, fairly um fairly remote area so like a lot of those guys had houses that were not too far away from uh the arena and the practice facility which was like basically next door to the arena um now the whole the whole shebang has been moved to downtown detroit so like you don't have guys living out in the fucking countryside you know <laughs> yeah. uh, stanley johnson once was on uh, i think it was um I forget what the podcast was, but he was talking about like how like he wakes up in the morning and he looks out his back window and there's like a deer, like, you know, eating off of like trees in his backyard in the snow. You're not going to have that with, with these players on this team now with everybody like situated in downtown Detroit. I I think I heard that a bunch of the guys live in the same apartment building. Like, so I I don't know if there's like, I know here they like rookies in a condo or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what kind of, um, you know, in home, kind of like workout facilities they do have at their disposal. So it, it's very possible, like, you know, if, if you are in the, uh, <laughs> the Pistons rookie dorms apartment building or whatever, you just can't work out if you're in. in uh, Sounds protocol. fun though. Yeah, it does. Doesn't it? <laughs> I know that Mario Chalmers and Gerald green lived in the marquee building right in front of the Epic here in Miami. Frankie, do you, uh, do you know why we know that? <laughs> yes, I know why. Of course. Why? <laughs> Duncan, have you that... ever heard the story? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Frank <laughs> Gerald uh, Green, sure. famous uh, heat tenure. He yeah, was, I'm getting warmer. I think this is starting to ring a bell. <laughs> the Flocka? So the Flocka? Yeah, so Gerald Green was uh, a member of the Miami Heat. Uh, believe it or not, for because it was such a short time. Uh, and he was having, a, he had one of the most fantastic preseasons that we've Hall of seen. Fame preseason. Yeah. He Hall looked incredible shooting the ball, uh, highlight plays, everything. And so everybody's really excited about him. And then one, I don't remember what time, this felt very early in the season. Yeah. Um, but there's just, a, there's just a, a news story that uh, Gerald Green has passed out and Mario Chalmers has, <laughs> was by his side and called Rescued the him. ambulance. <laughs> and this, it's been immortalized by uh, the Dan Lebetard show. And Mike, Michael Ryan with, with the song <laughs> when Mario got traded that season and say, and one of the lines was, and uh, goodbye, Mario. And thanks for saving Gerald Green's life. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was Jail Green, but I do remember the story. It was, it was like this sort of like amorphous story that didn't have names attached to it. But yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember city, that story. It's so much better us. now. Like we're, that, you know, we know he's okay. Everyone's okay. At the time, we're like, we're like, whoa, is it, what happened to Gerald? What did he do? What did he get into? <laughs> Who among us has not passed out in the lobby of our building once or twice? Oh, it's, it's a, and then Miami, nonetheless. Come on. Yeah, oh right. my God, in Miami, you see that? No, you see people pass that's, out in the lobby. That's of their Wednesday. Sat <laughs> benches. You know, you you walk Winwood, Frankie. You walk Winwood, and, and there's you know people pass out on stairs, and they'll be fine. They'll get up. That's tropical blankets territory. He picks that's, them up, puts them in the Uber. Uh, shout out to Alex Toledo, uh, five on the floor in Miami Heat. That's that's our guy. Um, Duncan, we thank you so much for coming on the show today. We appreciate it. We hope to have you on again. We knew that when we had to talk Detroit Pistons, we went to you. What's you first? Uh, of course, of course. Happy I'm your guy. <laughs> Most excited team in the league, Jeremy Grant and yeah. all. Um, yo, chat, thanks for coming out. Um, appreciate you. Remember tomorrow, pregame show, 30 minutes before the game, hangover time, postgame show right after at the buzzer we have you live we have tons of stuff coming remember uh be patient with us we're trying to roll everything out succinctly and organized so we give you the best that we can uh the love has been outrageous i mean like i said we've done this for eight years and this year has been by far the most fruitful and the most fun so like thank you guys for being so good to us especially with our new streaming endeavor it's very scary to try new things. y'all are the best so <laughs> check out all our stuff that's going on Rate and review the podcast. Uh, Duncan, where can people find you and your work? Because I do want people to go look and seek out what you do. Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Duncan Smith NBA. Um, all of my written work is at Hoops Habit, where I'm the site expert and uh, running things over there. Um, just about like once or twice a day, I've got content coming up personally. And uh, I also oversee a staff of about 40 writers, I think, right now. And uh, so that's keeping me busy. And I also that's get a lot. To, that's, that's a lot. Um, I also get to, you know, digest a lot of really good content from uh, some really sharp writers on that site. So, um, yeah, that's that's uh, where I'm at these days. By the way, shout out to Simon Smith. You mentioned him. Simon's a great hit Twitter guy. Shout out to Simon. Yeah. He's he's awesome. Posting stats all the time. We love it. Keeps us informed. Frankie, I want to make it more of a habit to give her our Twitter handles because some people might not know where to find us on Twitter. So where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Frankie underscore G. That's Frankie with a Y. And, a y. and I stream beat pod. Our new spinoff <laughs> podcast. I hate you. Guys. <laughs> We're doing this. Uh, we are me, Alex, uh, Tiffany, uh, Siobhan, Joey, Chris, we're all doing a and oh and Alf, I can't forget Alf. We're doing a spinoff podcast. It came up as a joke. We were joking on the timeline, and then we started booking real guests. Tell the people I, how it happened. We, Who's we your were, first guest? <laughs> so we were talking. It was this happened the other night when uh, the Heat Wizards game was postponed, and so somebody was mentioning to Alf that uh, we should we should talk about Wandavision instead since we can't have a, a hangover <laughs> time. And we're like, yeah, we should do. We should just you know, do this instead. It sounds so much more fun. And then, uh, Moose asked Ed, Adnan Burke, uh, <laughs> formerly of ESPN and, and, uh, host of his own podcast as a uh, joke. He asked as Adnan a joke. as a joke. And Adnan said, sure, I can come on in March. And we booked 
booked we've booked a couple other guests so we're, nice. we're like screw it we got to do this now i cooper moorhead is going to join us what talk. cooper cooper yeah. can't even come on this he i know he that's why he was like oh since it's not he basketball i definitely i think i can definitely do it and so we're like hell yeah let's do this nice. just shoot shots left and right man yeah that's what that we're doing and it's and, so and Gianni's if Gianni's supporting us are us spinning off. It's we're still all going to be a part of Heat Beat, of course, but just something else fun we can do and and uh, not get Thibodeau minutes and <laughs> doing Heat Beat. Duncan, these people had a goddamn mutiny. I went for a run. I thought I I was like, okay, I'm, in, I'm, I'm new year, new me. We're gonna go for a run. We're gonna you know we're doing this. I'm out of my run and my phone is freaking like crazy. I was like, leave me alone. I want I just want Spotify. I don't want what y'all are doing. And, and I checked the chat, and apparently there's this thing called Stream Beat, and Adnan Verks involved. I was like, "Where did this come from?" I was like, what, "What's going?" And then Frankie hits me up. He's like, "Yo, yo, can I, uh, can I, can I call you? Like, I, I, I want to ask. Like, is this okay?" <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want to offend him because, because like, I, I don't want him to think we were we were leaving the bar. Right? Yeah, like don't, don't, get like left 11, <laughs> don't get this. Is like at eleven at night on a weeknight. I'm like in bed. I'm like watching TV, and like Frankie hits me up. Like, "Yo, can I call you? Like, I gotta ask you some stuff." I was like, I mean, I guess, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cause, no, because G was kind of like G. G didn't know if we were serious or not. So I was I like, no, G, we're, we're we're serious. So this is yeah. this is really happening. I, I don't want to piss you off or anything or upset you or anything. It sounded but like a bit. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna have Adnan work on my One Division podcast. Do you mind? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listen, that's an A-lister. <laughs> and then as a blue, well, listen, Duncan's a blue check, but Duncan's part of Blue Checkmark Twitter, so we got an A-lister here, Duncan. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. We hope to have you again sometime. My pleasure. Anytime.